Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Well, friends, we are looking today at uh, Jesus's first miracle. If, uh, if you were Jesus, which, you know, God forbid for most of you, but if you were Jesus, what would you choose as your first miracle? How would you really break on to the scene? What would you pull out as your first demonstration, show what you're all about? You got some good options. I mean, I personally think the feeding of the 5,000, that's a really good one. Like, that's a favorite. Um, restoring sight, you know, raising the dead. You, know, you, you got some good options for, for your first miracle here. Jesus, for his first miracle, he kind of hung back in the background and just made people really undeservedly happy. For Jesus' first miracle, he chose something that maybe we would not have prioritized, and he did not publicize his role in it. We, we say, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And today, as we look at who Jesus is and how to just kind of live into more of his character, we see his generosity and his abundance, and we want a little bit more of that formed in us today. So let's pray. And Jesus, as we turn to your word now, Lord God, we just, we give you our attention. Not even necessarily to church or to to the other things going on, but to your word and who you are. Would you speak clearly to our hearts, Jesus, where we have misconceptions about you, Jesus uh, it's important what we think about God. This is a high-level question. Where we have misconceptions about you, Jesus, would your example just break through so clearly? Speak to our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are going to be in John chapter 2. John was one of the followers of Jesus, wrote down all of what it was like. Uh, He says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Friends, If we have a problem with, like, our happiness levels, if we are having a a problem at, like, a party, like, if our joy is running low, do we go to Jesus? If we don't, it's maybe because we don't really know Jesus. So let's get to know him this morning. Uh, they, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. To that very ambiguous answer, that is a maybe if I've ever heard a maybe. Uh, His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. That's a big jar. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, 
all the way up. He said, now dip some in, take it to the master of ceremonies. He's using the religious vessels, filling them up for people's enjoyment and joy. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew. Friends, in the kingdom of God, there are some things that the servants know that the big bosses and the important people do not know. He called the bridegroom over. Hey, a host always serves the best wine first, he says. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you... You have kept the best wine till now. This miraculous sign at Canaan Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Jesus wants to take our problems and fill them up in the best way possible. He wants to surprise us with what he's going to do. He's saving some of the best things until now. Amen? Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. My purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life, to give folks life and life to the full. You know, the idea of God being joyful is kind of a revolutionary idea. The Greek gods, they were very impassive and unfeeling But we see God throughout the Hebrew scriptures feeling and loving and caring and and worrying and having joy. And we see the, the biggest expression of that in the person of Jesus. Jesus was actually a joyful person. Now, Jesus didn't walk around all the time saying like, gosh, I'm so happy, guys. But he was described as being joyful, and he says that he wants us to actually have the same joy that he himself has. When he was born, the angels announced at Christmas time, they said it was tidings of good news that will be of great joy. When the Psalms prophesied about Jesus, talked about who this guy would be, Psalm 45 says that Jesus is anointed with the oil of gladness beyond his companions. And he did seem to be a happy enough guy. He had fun in life, maybe a little bit too much fun for some of the sour, dour rabbi squad. They're like, hey, we have noticed you eating and drinking. They they called him a, a glutton and a friend of sinners. Jesus was a person of joy, which is probably why he got invited to this wedding to begin with. So this person of joy and this person of power goes to a party, and there's a problem. They run out of wine. Mm, mm, mm. You know, I, I, I told them they shouldn't have organized it like that. It was the cousin's fault. He was in charge of it. Bad, bad choice. It's because you bought from that wine merchant who doesn't fill it all the way up. Like I told you, this would be a problem. It's because not all the guests contributed. It was a little bit of a BYOB culture around wine and weddings, and Jesus was too poor, and he probably didn't contribute anything which is likely things can be Jesus' fault, or he brought too many disciples, his entourage was too big. But it doesn't matter, guys. Just do something. Fix it. Hurry up. Take more money to that other wine cellar. You know, go to Julio's. That place is ridiculous. I'm sure they've got something left. Tell Uncle Joe to stop drinking so much. Go to the neighbors. Buy some of their extra stuff. Hurry. Go, go. Fix the problem. 
Or, guys, we could just, the food's delicious, lamb is great, figs are yummy, get Stephen to tell some more jokes, we will turn up the, the music, give out nicer party favors, everybody likes cash. Instead of blaming, stressing, or substituting, Mary went to Jesus. She just went to Jesus. Involving Jesus. Going to this party and receiving the surprising last wine from Jesus. That brought joy. Going to a party and saying, hmm, how am I going to have the most fun possible? First, I'm going to hit up the apps. I want to make sure I, I get the lamb right when it's brought up. I'm going to find the three most popular people here. Dion's always a good time. I want to make sure she's around then. I've been practicing my dance moves to impress everyone. That is not the way to experience joy. You know, I, I feel like... I. I've had experiences of this in my own life. Uh, maybe a year or two ago, I was really not enjoying my day off. My day off is Friday because, you know, I'm a little busy on the weekends with this gig. So my day off is Friday. And I would always come up with this great plan of how I was going to have the nicest, most relaxing Friday. And you know what always happened? It got ruined. And then instead of having a nice, relaxing day off, I was frustrated. And I knew what was going on internally. I could, I could understand my internal context clues. I just had to talk to Jesus about it and go to Jesus and say, you know what? I am trying too hard. I'm trying to grasp onto things to make me happy. Instead of going about my day, if I'm interrupted, if I have to do extra chores, that's okay. I can enjoy anything in life if I'm with Jesus and in the right mindset. In the kingdom of God, we are receivers, not achievers. With so many things, we're receivers, not achievers. And that is true of joy also. If I approach my day off and say, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to make it the most fun possible— I will not enjoy that day. I do this with my kids too, especially my, my youngest. Uh, we'll, we'll pull up to some of these little parties or something and like her eyes will get big as she sees the bounce house or like the candy table. I'll be like, do you know how to have fun? Because having fun is not grabbing as much fun possible. It's relaxing and enjoying and being kind to people throughout. That is what will be satisfying at the end. So if you've been kind and you've relaxed and enjoyed it throughout. Joy is being in the vicinity of Jesus and receiving his surprising last wine unknowingly. Joy is doing whatever he asks and being open-handed to receive. One of my favorite theologians, uh, Jürgen Moltmann, says that joy is not something we can produce. Joy is not something that we can make. Joy requires us to simply be present and receive. We can make pleasure. We can get pleasure. We can't get real joy. Maybe the best we can do is kind of get peace, be content, 
be at peace with each other. That is a good canvas, a good foundation for joy. We can try and produce happiness, but we cannot produce joy. You know, I would define joy as kind of a deep sense of satisfaction. Um, It's a deep sense of being at peace with God and each other, being deeply satisfied with the good things of life. Um, And joy is definitely connected to our relationship with God. We have to be in relationship with God to experience joy. We also have to have some other things like um, a sense of purpose and and fulfillment. If we think about how God created us to be in the the Garden of, of Eden... They had a job to do. They weren't sitting around sun sun tanning all all day or something, uh, relaxing uh, in the garden. They had purpose and fulfillment. We also need a sense of identity, who we are. As beloved children of, of God, we need times of closeness with God. We also need good relationships. God did not create us to, you know, he doesn't want us to be his His only friend. He made us for friendships Times of, of beauty, enjoying the good in life, nature, uh, uh, good time with friends, eye contact, those really beautiful moments of life. All of this goes together to produce actual deep, long-lasting joy in our life. And this is available to all followers of Jesus every single one of us. Joy is available to us. And in this like Venn, this messy Venn diagram, some things may be higher or lower at different times of life. We, we may have better friendships at, at some time of life, but we may have a really high sense of purpose. Or, or maybe we have great close times with Jesus where you're really soaking in the word, where you're really hearing what the Holy Spirit's saying to you, you're enjoying worship times. And then other times you just have a super strong sense of identity. So different things can be higher or lower uh, at different points in your life. But this is available to every single follower of Jesus. John 15, Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow if we remain in Jesus' love. I mean, there's no better source. We seek love from all sorts of different places. If we remain in Jesus' love and we obey him, we do things His way, he's got a pretty good method worked out. We will be filled with joy. And this is not some sort of like promise that God tries to give us to like, be good guys, I promise at the end of all of this, I'll I'll give you a reward or whatever sticker, like I promise. It's more than that. It's a spiritual reality that he's telling us about. That if we remain in his love, if we obey his commandments, we will be filled with his joy. Mike Bickle says that joy is a feeling of pleasure or delight, that things are good, things are working for our future good according to how God defines good. We experience joy as the truth of God's words. It's the lens by which we define good and our view of life both now and in the age to come. If we think about this wedding story, 
we think about what happened here and how Jesus really like went above and beyond even their, their greatest expectations. Joy is received in obedience. Joy is not made or forced. The guests did not pay extra money for the good wine. They were not VIP guests. They were not extra nice, extra cool. They just plain received. And Mary said, everybody, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. And then they received. Joy is received in obedience. Jesus' path of obedience brought him joy. I mean, it brought him the cross too, but it brought him real joy. My path of obedience will bring me joy. Your path of obedience will bring you joy. Real joy is found in obedience. And we know this innately. We know that there is no satisfaction like knowing you did the right thing. No satisfaction like having a clear conscience, the sleeping well at night, confidence that you did your part. And friends, obedience to Jesus is not a burden. Obedience to Jesus is, is not a burden. It's, it's a blessing. Obedience to Jesus does not hurt us. It helps us. I think about how many things in my own life have I said, like, I've gone to God and complained, oh, God, that's going to be so hard. It's not going to be so hard. It's helpful to me. God, God is doing good things for me. How many, sadly, how many things in my life have I not done? Because they said, oh, you know, that, that seems a little, a little tough, a little too much. That seems difficult and unpleasant. And not walked into that or experienced that because it seemed like a burden. And I didn't tell myself the truth that it was a blessing to me. I think about uh, Christmas last year. Um, I knew that uh, Jesus was telling me to go and um, apologize to a uh, sibling member. And um, just do it. Do it, Sarah. I didn't want to because, let's be honest, it was a two-way street, and I had not done anything that bad. But I just felt physically like I just had to kind of get up off my behind and go and do it. And so I went, and I did it. I said, you know, I noticed this, and I'm sorry for my part, and Oh, I, I felt so good. It was not a burden to me. It was a blessing to me. It has made things so much better. How many other blessings have I missed out on because I incorrectly thought, oh, that's a burden. It's too unnecessary and hard. Obedience to Jesus is not a burden. You know, in the Bible, would anyone have had the you know, great experiences? Would anyone have experienced the wonderful miracles that you know, they got to experience if they had not first been obedient to God? So we have being with Jesus. We have obedience. And then lastly, I think to really experience joy, we have to say yes to the good things that God has given to us. In a world with so many joy counterfeits, we need to be kind of vigilant and aware about the fakes. We have to say yes 
to the good things and, and no to, to the counterfeits. Uh, to have real joy, we have to live differently. We cannot expect to go through life consuming the, the same media, the same social media, the same technology, uh, stressing over the same things, uh, working for the same things, spending our, our time and our weekends the exact same way as everybody else and expect to have a different outcome. I think how we use technology is a good place to start, you know? Putting down the social media, the iPhone, turning off Netflix, both for us and our kids, that's a counterfeit. It's a fake. It does not lead to real life-giving joy uh, and relationships, the things that truly buoy us up in life. We have to say no to some of those things. I think here is a good place to start with real relationships, real friendships with people who know your name, who can look you in the eye, who can maybe ask you some hard questions. That's why we've been in this whole Me Into We series over the past uh, six weeks, leaning into community. Community and right here is also a good place to start to say yes to the good gifts that God has for us. Yes to the beautiful moments in life. Yes to nature. Yes to real fun uh, with real friends. Yes to the things that, that God made for our enjoyment that actually truly lift our spirits in helpful ways. No to the fake counterfeits uh, so readily available to us. One of the um, authors I really like, we actually did, the staff team did uh, a book of his, uh, his name is Steve Cuss, and he talks about a life-giving list, a list of things that really bring you life, really bring you satisfaction and contentment. Um, some things will not be on it, like chocolate, eating lots of chocolate late at, at night will not be on that list. You know, movie marathons and binging Netflix will not be on that list. Um, but he talks about making a list and really knowing what truly brings you some life-giving happiness. Knowing what actually makes us deeply satisfied is important. And so many of us go through life vaguely knowing what we like, but also not doing it, or sort of knowing what we like to do, but never prioritizing it. So you'll see on your seat, um, you'll see these little uh, strips of paper. And I want to give us a couple of minutes to actually do this here and now. Write out a life-giving list. The things that we want to be intentional about saying yes to when we are surrounded with so many counterfeits, things that we need to say no to. So if you have a pencil, if you have a pen, um, I know I may not have done the best job arranging uh, my materials this morning um, and placing them all neatly around. Um, but just go ahead, guys, and write down one for the first thing. What really makes you feel alive? What really makes you feel deeply satisfied and renewed and restored? What people are involved in it? Is there a place, an activity, when? And maybe, guys, this is actually a, a great next step, is to schedule and say, when? When am I actually going to be intentional about doing this? I'm just going to you know, run out the clock on my sermon while you guys do all the hard work. 
but knowing what's life-giving for us and then leaning into it. This is part of the yes in following Jesus that Jesus wants for us. For some of us, it's nature, getting that sunshine, being out in creation, basketball in the park, baking bread, riding a motorcycle, and being specific with these things. The, uh, the author of this book, one of the items on his list is, um, what is it? Petting my dog's silky soft ears. Very specific. Not just taking care of my dog or playing with my dog, but something about like those soft little ears really gives him peace, contentment. Super specific. Other people, it's like this place, this armchair by the window with a cup of tea. These friends, I need these friends for just the good of my soul. What really brings us life and joy? And guys, I am, um, yeah, we, we usually do not have homework time during the, the sermon, but if I don't do some of these things now, it gets lost in the back of my car and I've forgotten about it by the time I enter my house. Jesus wants to give us joy. I think this is a good tool for being intentional about cooperating with Jesus in that. So to summarize, guys, three things necessary for real joy. Being with Jesus, being obedient to the path of Jesus, and then saying yes to his good gifts in our life. And friends, I want to encourage us as we close today that Jesus promises us joy. He says, remain in my love, obey my commandments, and you will receive my joy. Friends, for some of us, life has gotten very just ordinary life. And maybe our hearts don't even believe the promise of actual joy provided to us. But Jesus does not say this flippantly. Jesus does not say this randomly. Jesus promises you joy following him and in his love. Let's believe him for that today and see how he's going to meet us. Let's stand together. I'm going to enter a time of worship. But friends, let's just put out our hands this morning to receive from Jesus. Not our own agenda. Not our own way of doing things. Not our own popularity or success. Jesus, this morning we come before you empty-handed and open-handed. And we want to receive from you So, Jesus, together in the community of saints, we pray for your impartation of joy today. That in the empty, uh, dry places of our hearts, 
the very normal, ordinary places of our hearts, Jesus, that you would speak your love and your joy, that you would fill us up with a greater vision of who you are, that we would see your smile over us today, that we would know our Heavenly Father love, 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 loves us. That this world is put here for our good, created by our loving Heavenly Father. That we have nothing to fear. You are working all things out for our good. Our times are in your hands and we trust you. And Jesus, where uh, we have experienced lack of joy. Will we turn to you first and foremost? Turn to you first and foremost, Jesus. All over this place, Holy Spirit. Um, as we move into a time of worship, as we start to worship Jesus, give us the joy of knowing you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.